Shakes Pals, happy Throwdown Thursday. We did it. We're in a new year, a whole new one just for us. And I hope that it is the best one yet for you. I hope it's the best one yet for me. And I hope it's the best one yet for this podcast. We've had some pretty good years. It'll be hard to top, but I think we can do it. My New Year's resolution for this show is to start reaching out to some, you know, maybe celebrity guests, see who we can get on this amazing, amazing podcast. And so if there are people that you want to see on the show of any association with Shakespeare, big, small, in between, you let me know. Tweet me at P2MPod, Instagram at P2MPod, TikTok at P2MPod. You know where to find me. So let us know who you want to see on the show. I'm really excited to jump into the new year. And today's episode is a really, really fun one. I've got Chris Beyond to talk about who would be the best panel moderator in Shakespeare. And it was a really just great, refreshing, fun, silly way to start off the new year. So I'm happy. I am happy you're all here. And remember, if you're liking what you're hearing, rate, review, subscribe, and share. Welcome to Protest Too Much, a Shakespeare showdown podcast where a guest and I go head to head each week and you get to decide who wins. Okay, so this week we are taking Shakespeare to a convention and you know what, I think Shakespeare would love a good nerd convention. And with me, I have the perfect person to guest on this podcast. Crispy has been a longtime lover of theater and a convention moderator. So Crispy, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks, Stephanie, for having me. This is a, a really fun little podcast you got here. and I'm excited to be a part of it. So yeah, so you've done a lot. I, I know you tangentially through Dragon Con. Is that kind of your main moderator area or have you kind of been all over the place at conventions? Yeah, so yeah, most of my moderating has been at Dragon Con. I also do here, if you're in, in the Atlanta area, there's also a sister con called MomoCon. I've started to moderate for them as well and, and pickups as needed. Uh, here and there, it just kind of depends on the, the situation. But like Dragon Con is my home show and MomoCon is my secondary. Yeah, so uh, go ahead and tell everyone a little bit more about kind of yourself, your history, what you love, what you do, and where they can find you. Yeah, so uh, a little bit about myself to kind of further explain why I'm here. I grew up a community theater kid with my first ever theatrical performance being Midsummer as Lysander. So that kind of like got me on the path between that and doing Renaissance festivals back in Tennessee. So I kind of started out with the the very Shakespearean vibe and then just kind of continued going and that just became a life of conventions uh, and ergo now a uh, convention moderating. So at DragonCon, you can see me moderating uh, some of the big panels alongside other moderators that we've got there. Uh, good friends of mine. And then before that, I was also doing celebrity interviews, like one-on-one style interviews, much like this, in a smaller, like little 10-minute, uh, ideally format off to the side. Uh, but then the pandemic kind of made that a little bit of a challenge. So now I'm just moderating the big panels these days. And yeah, and that's just kind of been something I've been doing for Dragon Con. I don't even know what year this is anymore. We'll say at least. <laughs> Who does? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I've, I've been one of the faces of Dragon Con for about eight years. But before that, uh, I was one of the founders of Dragon Con TV. And I was one of the people writing comedy bits, acting in comedy bits and things like that because of our, our groundwork with, you know, community theater. Uh, and so it kind of gave us an outlet for that. So, yeah, that's kind of all kind of comes full circle with theater and conventions and things like that. Yeah, it kind of it's a uh, the overlap of people who have all these uh, interests is is pretty much a, a 
most most circle mostly it's, circle. Mo- it's 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 almost circle yeah the the vent is basically just a little slight slices off to the side you know that's about it exactly you've got like little crescents for different types of fandoms but really i guess if you're you're into one you're into most so I, that's yeah, what i love precisely. about the community is that there are so many people that i found that are like oh i also love shakespeare and i'm like you mm-hmm. do <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's the beauty of it, too. So, like, for those of you listening, like, this is the first time you and I have ever spoken together. Mm-hmm. And, but we found mutual love of Shakespeare through uh, mutual friends of mine who were also moderators at DragonCon. Uh, and then also going through, like, doing TikTok for a while there. I was doing uh, my – I've got, I'm on TikTok, but I hardly use it. Uh, but, I, you know, I've got a puppet named Randall, which if you do any stuff with DragonCon, you'll send me – he hosted the parade this year, for example, as the puppet dressed as Eddie from Stranger Things. So good. Uh, layers than layers. But, like, for a while there, I thought one of my creative outlets could have been using TikTok to do Shakespearean monologues as my puppet. And, like, I had just done one for Macbeth when our paths had finally crossed, when they had released the tragedy of Macbeth at the start of last year. So, yeah, <laughs> I love how big the world is, but how small and intimate convention circles make it feel. Absolutely. All right, let's get into the meat of it. So before we drop our characters, what are some things that make a good convention moderator? What are some of the things that you need so that I can steal all those things and apply them to my argument later? Precisely. No, I'm glad you brought that up because I was I would offer like we need a baseline because yeah. what I do is such a niche thing. When people like, oh, convention moderator, what does that do? Um, <laughs> so so we'll we'll kind of like scope out and kind of come in a little bit at its core if you don't know what a convention moderator is it's someone who's you go to a convention there's your panel of celebrities talking and there's the one non-celebrity on the panel who works for the convention facilitating things that is the core idea so you if you go to a panel you're wanting to to watch stuff with the the guests and that person's just there to kind of make sure that the panel doesn't go off the rails the questions stay focused so what makes a good moderator is Obviously, there's listening, finding a thread, finding a story, but also making sure that you're not making the panel about you. It's really easy to be like, oh, I'm on stage with the celebrities. I'm a celebrity, too. <laughs> you don't want to steal the spotlight unless the spotlight is offered. For example, like the mm-hmm. first ever celebrity panel I did was with Brett Dalton from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Before this, I was already doing celebrity interviews, so I had a rapport and I know how to work with celebs. But it was just he and I on a panel, the last panel of a Monday at Dragon Con, and we just opened up the door to be like, hey, you're you're a theater kid, you're an improver, you play with me, you know? And then so it became the two of us on a panel. That's but awesome. that is the that is the exception, not the rule. So sure. a good moderator encourages fun conversation, uh, keeps the crowd entertained, keeps them engaged while not stealing the spotlight, just being kind of like right on the corner of the spotlight because they still have to have attention. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's, kind of, that's, kind, of, that's kind of your baseline there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that's your baseline. Perfect. Okay, so with all of that, Crispy, who do you think in Shakespeare would be the best convention moderator? So there's a lot of fun options, and then there's a lot of bad options, too. Uh, I was actually having a conversation with my friends over the weekend about this, too, because I was like, all right, I'm preparing for the podcast. You're my old Ren Fair buddies. Let's talk about it. Nice. Falstaff got thrown around, and I'm like, no, Falstaff would make, he'd be in, the, he'd want to step into the spotlight, right? Oh, yeah. So that's not, that's not a good choice. Friar Lawrence from Romeo and Juliet came up, and I'm like, oh, that's a really, mm. really good one, too. Uh, and then someone suggested a name, which uh, I'll be giving to you to kind of to, to give you a fun offering there. But it got me on the path of a, a role that I've performed twice from Much Ado About Nothing with Don Pedro. Ooh, ooh, what a right? good pick. Yeah. So like as I sat there and I've been thinking about Don Pedro and, and like how 
he fits in that piece. He he just worked for me. Yeah. And going along that path, I discovered the person that I want to give to you, also for Uh-oh. Much Ado, <laughs> is Beatrice. Okay. Okay, because, yeah, yeah. Because in a way, they were very similar equals. Uh, they both had a lot of respect and admiration. He maybe had a little bit more admiration for, for him for her than you know she reciprocal reciprocated but still there was a there was a, a definite sense of understanding people how to navigate people and and there was a very similar uh, uh just viewpoint of the world between the two of them i really love that that's this is going to be a great argument i think this is going to be kind of hard to find little differentiating points but i think they're there yeah. so i'm very excited why don't you take it away for don pedro yeah, so Don Pedro, uh, at his core in Much Ado, is uh, like I, I've heard it refer him refer to as the, the like a selfless facilitator. He has more lines than anyone else in Much Ado, and that's not something you really think of when you think about Much Ado. You think about Benedict and Beatrice, and they've got these long monologues. You think about Hero and Claudio, even though Hero really doesn't have a hold on lines, mm-hmm. but those are kind of your central pairs. And then you have a haphazard antagonist in Don John, right? <laughs> like there's, it's just there to to have the much ado, as it were. But at the core of the show is one character who is facilitating everything, uh, sometimes to his detriment, and that is Don Pedro. Uh, he is the first to show up and go, oh, hey, you're into this person. I'm going to make this happen for you. And throughout every change, throughout every adventure, throughout Much Ado, he goes along with it. He is the ultimate wingman. He is the support guy. Uh, You want to talk about compersion on an emotional level? Don Pedro is your boy. Uh, He lives to make others' dreams come true. And I found that to be a noble trait as facilitator into moderation because, like I said, we had that baseline you want yeah. to bring the drama, but you don't want to be the cause of the drama. You don't want to be the drama. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You, like I said, you don't want to be right in the middle of that spotlight, but you want people to know that you were responsible for making that spotlight happen. Yeah. You know, you 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 want to be the 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 best way I can describe Don Pedro, and in turn a moderator is you want them just memorable enough that you forget about them after it's done, because you want to still remember. The, the reasons that you were there with the celebrities and Don Pedro does that. So when I tell people Don Pedro has more lines than anyone in Much Ado, no one believes me. But as someone who's performed that role twice, I'm like, no, trust me. <laughs> Guy talks a lot. So yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of like my baseline for that uh, as to where I think he kind of falls into that. And we can, we'll go back and forth and explore a little bit the pros and cons, but that's kind of where I'm coming at my approach with uh, Don Pedro. Okay. Okay. Uh, but have you considered that mm-hmm. Beatrice, in a very similar vein, is really focused on other people's happiness. It is not until her family and friends trick her into finding her own happiness that she even has it at the forefront of her mind. Her whole goal is to put Hero up on a pedestal and help her get the life that she deserves. And it's not... Uh, I think one of the... The cool things about watching panels with celebrities is that the questions that are asked aren't just aren't just fluff pieces. They're not just they're not attacking. They're not like hard questions, but you're finding the meat of their stories and something interesting that I couldn't see in a YouTube video from another convention panel that they did. And that kind of 
I, I hesitate to use the word critical um, because I don't think it's the right word, but I don't know what the right word is right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, Beatrice has that critical approach towards Hero. There's a whole scene where Leonardo is like, oh, if the prince proposes, are you going to accept? Because there's the whole, you know, mm -hmm. noting, whatever. And Beatrice is like, don't just say yes to anyone. Make sure that you're happy. Make sure that the person you're saying yes to is going, you know, father as it please me. So making the making the people on the panel comfortable and encouraged and hyped, but not just giving surface level things, like having a little bit more of um, investigation. I don't know. I'm not wording anything <laughs> right, but like, you know what I mean? Like finding some meat in their stories rather than just glazing over the surface. And I think Beatrice could handle that really well. And she would never come across as being too pushy because she's got such a bright and welcoming personality when she's putting it on, right? We know when she can uh, toss it out there to Benedict. That's a very different kind of special relationship. Every time that she has a conversation with a prince who is in all, in all ways superior to her, she is very gentle with him. When he proposes, whether you take that as sincere or not, she is very, very gentle and kind to him. So it shows that she knows how to work with people in different statuses than she is. And when you're a moderator, you are in a different status than the people that are on the panel. So she knows how to differentiate. She could take something and if it's tossed to her, hey, let's improv around, let's do this. She's got the intellect to meet you where you are and have some fun and stay engaged but she's not going to, she kind of knows where she fits in those relationships. Um, and then the last thing I want to say is that encouraging fun conversation and keeping the crowd engaged and entertained, she would have no problem if there were delays or if there needed to be stalling in any way, like she would be a pro at keeping the crowd interested and in the room and hype for when the, the panel got started. Mm-hmm. So that's my that's my baseline for Beatrice. But you're talking about her being composed and know how to navigate situations. I mean, there was the one time though that she basically did with all the stress of the world when Benedict is finally saying, I'll love you, I'll do anything, and she tells Benedict to kill someone. Yeah, she that's does. kind of an extreme uh, extreme thing there. Like, where does that fall on the composure line of where do you take that energy, that direction, and navigate that through this through line that you've so wonderfully crafted? <laughs> I think the I think the argument there is that she waits till everyone is gone. So she's not going to let her composure crack on stage when everyone is still in the room. And everyone in the room includes, you know, her uncle and her cousin and the friar. Those are people that she should for whatever reason, feel comfortable breaking down in front of. But she doesn't. She knows that she has to keep her composure through that. And it's only until she feels very, very uh, safe and backstage that she lets it crumble. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's very spot on and valid, I think, though. Where Don Pedro comes from, it definitely is kind of on that line of celebrity himself, though, mm -hmm. right? So, like, especially, you know, him being a prince and at this time of, of when the play was originally written, like royalty nobility could do no wrong and mm. you know I, I think there's a number of times throughout the show where don pedro should have been checked a little bit uh and things like that but he still kind of goes with it uh in support uh he's going along with the narrative and he's like he sees where the story is changing and doesn't try to 
let it veer off the target. He's like, all right, no, we're going this way now. So let's, you know what? Let's keep going this way and let's see where this path takes us. And where he has that disconnect where he's like, he might not be the best at reading the room because he has that difference of upbringing. He has, Mm -hmm. you know, but he's not that quasi celebrity himself, but he knows how to be playful, how to be mischievous and how to follow through. Yeah. He is there to give the audience what they might not realize they wanted with continuing a particular thread forward. Maybe a little too far, but that's you know that. But that's him telling the audience, you know what? This is what you really want. You just you just weren't sure about it. Trust yeah. me, I'm the prince. I know what I'm talking about, right? Well, so here's my question for Don Pedro: in the in the gulling scene with him and Leonardo and Claudio, mm-hmm. how do you take his? He really lays it all up for Leonardo and Claudio, who are not who don't have his upbringing and don't necessarily have his way with words or his ability to like BS his way through a conference. They're not great (laughs) at it, but he kind of like leaves them hanging up in the air in a couple of those instances. So Mm -hmm. if we're on a panel, how do you reconcile that, that piece of his? uh... So so the reason he's doing that, he wants them to look good. He needs (laughs) them to get there on their own. So yeah, he has the knowledge. He has the dialect. He knows what to say, but if it comes from him, you know, like like Benedict says in that same scene, like I would believe this to be a jest, but the gray, the, the gray bearded man is the one saying it. Like I like if this is just Don Pedro, I wouldn't believe it, but it's Leonardo saying it. And so Don Pedro is great at just just getting them there. And so there, his frustration in that scene is like, I can't. I know what you need to say, but I can't tell you to say it. Work with me. Work with me. Work with me. You have to say the thing. And so that's where. He's not leaving them hanging like off a dangerous precipice necessarily, but he is like pushing them to the edge so that they can be the ones to be the hero in the conversation. They can be the ones to be the the, the smart, intelligent, snappy uh, conversationalists, especially okay. in that manipulative scene uh, in, in detail. Yeah. No, that's, that's perfect. I love that. Um, my other thought for Don Pedro is how... How do you read, this is not more, um, not really a criticism, but kind of an open-ended since you've played Don Pedro. How do you read the ending of the play? So everyone has their happy ending. Everyone mm-hmm. has their resolution. Everyone on the panel is getting their applause. And he is kind of sulking in the corner enough that Benedict feels like he needs to engage him with his whole get the wife, whatever. Get the wife, yeah, exactly, yeah. How do you read his like attitude or his, his uh, emotions there? Oh, that, and see, that's a fascinating thing for me personally, because to me, it reads differently at the different times I've played him throughout my life and stages of, of my adulthood and stuff like that. So you can you can take it on that surface level emotional. He's like, yeah, really, you know, like you thought I was joking about Beatrice, but no, really, I, I was kind of into her. And there's enough clues of that throughout the play. Like there's enough there that I feel like that was probably a plot line that Shakespeare could have followed through on a bit more. But he's like, it's that important. You know, in, in these days, we would have said, give it another pass, tighten that up, <laughs> you know, add more or cut it out. Like, it's a very confusing points of narrative. Yeah. But, you know, as someone who also is a facilitator himself, not just at DragonCon moderating, but I also host uh, Halloween events, so like movies on my lawn and things like that. I put a lot I put a lot of work for things that people will never notice mm-hmm. because I want uh, experiences to be authentic. But then once you've once you've, once you've obtained that goal, once you've reached that high, you got the drop on the other side. 
You know, whether like you've just gone to a convention, you've got the con yeah. drop, you've got the post-con blues in this case. I think there's a degree potentially as well where I've seen it where Don Pedro is like, everyone's got what they want. I'm happy. <sighs> I can breathe again. Like I can start to re-internalize. I can start to recharge. And when people are at their high, they're going to see that as someone at their low. But really, it's just such the difference of the perception there. Like the people are now looking down on him where he's now being vulnerable, where he's just being a little bit more exposed at that moment. He's got that chance to breathe and it just kind of looks as if he's at a little bit more sullen, but you know, but at the end of the day, I think it is still more fun to play with him being a little bit smidge crushing on yeah. Beatrice. So yeah. <laughs> I like to do a little bit of both there. No, that's really fun. That's always something that's interesting to me is how productions deal with that because I mm-hmm. think there's a lot um, that you can tease out of it. But mm-hmm. it does pull kind of from the focus of the the main narrative, so it's always an interesting thing right. to try and balance for sure. And and this and this particular show has such a weird narrative. Uh, like I love much ado. Again, I performed in it twice. Uh, I actually just rewatched one uh, the Kenneth Branagh not that long ago, just to kind of have stuff fresh in my brain on top of the research. But it's it, it's such like a classical show, but with no plot. <laughs> it is just one dumb thing after another. Uh, and again, you know, but that goes back to the play. It's a much ado about nothing. Like y'all made all this scene over over nothing mentality, but that means there's nothing really to drive the force except for smart people doing dumb things. <laughs> and uh, many TV uh, shows these days make careers like that's their entire thing, right? So it's interesting to see how much of this still plays through to today. And I've done panels with these celebs on these shows where I've been like. Your character has a PhD. Why did it do these? Why are you doing these dumb things? The plot's got to go forward, man. And it's so it kind of comes that full circle with the Shakespearean idea. Yeah, so much ado. Not much of a plot, really, but everything keeps going. Yeah. And uh, Don kind of. It's very sitcom esque. Yeah. Like you can, you can divide that up really probably up into like a four episode sitcom, really, because like you think the play is going to be about Claudio wooing Hero. Surprise, that's done. Oh, wait, there's drama. Nah, it was Don Pedro was actually, you know, so th- that first act, you're just like, what is going on here? <laughs> Why? All of the Baraccio, like, the whole trying to convince Claudio that Don Pedro was wooing Hero for himself, like, all of the Don John Why? plots are so, <laughs> they're just so silly and so oh. ineffective. And then they're we so get to thin. the wedding and it's what it yeah. happens, but, like, third time's a charm, I guess? Yeah, right? And the wedding the wedding to me, like, and this is where I say, like, Don Pedro should be checked and things like that, just because it's like, you all let this happen and you just stood by? So maybe not the best, like, wingman in an emotional sense, but mm. it's that same mentality where I say, like, but it'd be good in a panel because you want the, uh, you know, I treat, I treat panels like you mentioned earlier uh, with Beatrice. And, tr- like, truthfully, I would have selected Beatrice for myself because I do... <laughs> I do think Beatrice would be the better moderator over Don Pedro for the for the points that you had, because it's about finding the the things that you might not see in the YouTube video elsewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my approach for panels in general. Uh, but Don Pedro is definitely there to be the tried and true. He's the trusted guy. You know, he's going to get to that panel. It might not be the most entertaining panel, but he's going to get the job done, uh, and it'll still be memorable and things like that. It's just wild to see how all of this kind of comes back together. Yeah, I I love that. Y'all, what do you think? Is it Beatrice? Is it Don Pedro? Who is going to support the show? Who is going to be the best panel moderator? You can vote on Twitter, TikTok, or Instagram at P2M Pod. Crispy, thank you so much for being here. This was super fun. Yeah, no, it's fun. Yeah, this is one of these arguments that I feel like we can't go on for a long time because it's like, yeah, we both got it. Yep. 
because uh, like because you know Be- like Beatrice Don Pedro like when I stumbled into this I was like oh this is not an argument these are just gonna be observational points mm-hmm. but it's great and uh, and thank you for having me and be a part of this and I hope that your your viewers are get to be engaged and that and if you guys come to Dragon Con uh, and see me on a panel and be like hey I heard you on that podcast you know I'll, I'll be at MomoCon uh, Memorial Day weekend and then Dragon Con is Labor Day weekend here in Atlanta and then beyond that you can uh, catch me. Uh, on the social medias, uh, I think you've got my information, so we'll just link it in the uh, link the in episode the description. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, no, this Beautiful. is great. I thank you for this wonderful afternoon. Thank you so much, and thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>